we want to be a useful resource for people that want to make their relationships better. And so part of the way to do that is to help them with their contacts. Do you want to impact the world and still turn a profit? Then you're in the right place. Welcome to Growth Everywhere. This is the show where you'll find real conversations with real entrepreneurs. They'll share everything from their biggest struggle to the exact strategies they use on a daily basis. So if you're ready for a value-packed interview, listen on. Here's your host, Eric Sue. Before we jump into today's interview, if you guys could leave a review and a rating and also subscribe as well, that would be a huge help to the podcast. So if you actually enjoy the content and you'd like to hear more of it, please support us by leaving us a review and subscribe to the podcast as well. Thanks so much. Okay, everyone. Today we have Bart Lorraine, who's the CEO and founder of Full Contact, which is a cloud-based contact management platform for professionals. I'm going to let him explain what that means in a second. I actually use Full Contact, have been using it for years. So Bart, welcome to the show. Hey, hey Eric. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So Bart, why don't you, yeah, why don't you tell us a little bit about kind of your, your story, your background first? Yeah, so uh, my story is I've, I've been about 30 years uh, as a software entrepreneur, starting from when I was like eight years old. And uh, it's all I've ever known. And, uh, you know, started programming computers when I was super young, uh, seven or eight, uh, started selling computer games, did that for four or five years, uh, and then transitioned that into a web design company, uh, sold that when I was uh, 16 years old. And it's kind of my first experience with being acquired, which in retrospect was uh-huh. awesome when you're 16, but not awesome later in life. And uh, you know, and then um, uh, grew a business for about 13 years in the enterprise space, enterprise software. You know, software as a service before it was called that in a uh, the heavy industries of of manufacturing, mining, defense, logistics, transportation. Uh, grew a company all over the world, bootstrapped, and then exited that business uh, when I was 29. 2009. And, uh, you know, and then just sort of uh, kicked around for nine or 10 months trying to figure out what the rest of my life was going to be like. You know, I decided to transition from Windows to Mac at that time, trying to get my contacts from, you know, Exchange to Gmail. And man, it was difficult. And, you know, sort of realized that contact data is a pervasive problem that every professional has, every business has in terms of keeping it all up to date, accurate, and complete. And I uh, decided to build a company around that because I was too lazy to keep my you know, contact book up to date. I decided to solve this problem for everybody. And that's kind of how we got started. Basically, it seems like the, the things you've started have been really to, to scratch your own itch, especially with full contact, yeah? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that every entrepreneur is ultimately solving a problem for an earlier version of their DNA. And uh, certainly true with me. Got it. Cool. Yeah, so how does, how does Full Contact help, I guess, your, your customers? Because, I mean, I, my understanding is that you, you started a company basically, well, my, the story I read was that you looked at your wife's kind of uh, really organized address, address book, and then that kind of served as inspiration, right? Yeah, yeah. She had a perfectly pristine address book. I mean, every photo was filled in, every name, spouse's name, anniversary dates, birthdays, kids' names, detailed notes. And she actually worked in hospitality. Uh, you know, in the four seasons. So that data is really important for to maintain meaningful, emotionally connected relationships. Uh, but she only had a few hundred contacts and I had like 5,000 at the time. So I said, I want that, but my own 
contact data, you know, so it's all this data exists in my world, either privately or publicly. So why can't there just like, it just work. Um, and so that's kind of how we started it. And, and, and ultimately it helps our customers, uh, you know, as individuals, if they, they're, you know, what we call people focused professional sync all their data from every service, iCloud, Gmail, exchange, uh, social networks, etc. all of the unified address book that syncs everywhere. It'll automatically be duped, automatically keep things up to date from the public web, capture data from email signatures, and capture you know your business cards with 100% accuracy, uh, just so your address book works, and so you don't have to worry about it. And then you know it, it can work for a smaller team, you know, keeping a team on the same page and the same notion, sharing contacts between one another. Sort of a, a very lightweight contact management tool, not a full blown CRM, but just hey, contact data that just works. And then for a larger business, we offer APIs and a platform uh, folks can plug into to keep their larger systems, their CRMs, their marketing automations systems, uh, their, their customer data warehouses up to date using our, our, our APIs and our technology. Uh, and so it's really a horizontal solution that scales from 10,000 contacts to 100 million contacts. Yeah, and just to give the audience some context, I mean, uh, I mentioned I, I've been using it for a couple of years. So what I do after, let's say, you go to a conference or whatever, I take all the the pile of cards and I just use full contact to scan all of them, and then I use Zapier, which hooks in with the API, and then it'll plug it into whatever CRM that I'm using, and then it's the same kind of workflow for for the salespeople too. So I mean, that just makes life a lot easier, and I think um, the full contact does a good job of that. So how do you guys go about making money? Yeah, so we uh, we basically charge you know our customers uh, at the low end you know ten dollars a month for the service uh, if you want you know a few thousand contacts and multiple address books it unlocks the premium features and then uh, you know as the number of contacts scales as the size of your organization scales really the pricing goes up according to that and so uh, you know a small business might pay more and then a larger business pays more and a huge business pays even more. Uh, we also have partners that plug in our technology, and they pay us fees to plug in our technology and capabilities into their software applications. Right. Okay. Great. So, yeah, what kind of numbers can you reveal around the business today, revenues, customers, things like that? Well, I can't really reveal our, our revenue numbers. We don't share that uh, publicly. But in terms of uh, scale, we've got about 40,000 uh, customers. Uh, we've got 300 employees. You know, we've got you know, over 20 million users around the globe. So we're, we're a scaled company for sure. Love it. Okay, great. So how did you go about acquiring, let's just say, I mean, you guys have 20 million customers. So let's just go about, let's talk about the first 10,000 customers. How did you go about acquiring those? Uh, first 10,000? So that was actually early in our company life. when we were Before we were called Full Contact, we were a company called Rainmaker. And that was our first product prototype. We actually branded and that was like 2010, 2011, somewhere in the, around there. And we actually uh, built a prototype, got it out there, and uh, you know, it was sort of goofy. You could buy raindrops as part of the application and then hydrate your contacts um, <laughs> using those raindrops. Um, and you could you literally click the button called "Make It Rain" and it, like rain on your contacts and hydrate them and fill them out. <laughs> sort of, sort of funny. Uh, and uh, for all the sales folks out there, and so we uh, we actually launched it, put it out there in the market. You know, had t- some talks with Google, put it on the Google Apps Marketplace. And then one day we're we're sitting in the base basement of my co-founder, just the three of us, and uh, I, I was doing some queries on the user database, and and I was running some queries just on growth. And all of a sudden, I see the numbers kind of going up really, really fast. I'm like, what is my SQL query wrong or what's, what's up? 
It turns out we traced the traffic back to Lifehacker, had found our application, featured it on the front page of Lifehacker, and then ended up featuring it for three days straight. Totally crashed our systems. We couldn't handle the load. We didn't sleep for three days straight. But that gave us about 100,000 users uh, in that moment. And so it was sort of like we went from like 1,000 to like 100,000 uh, overnight. <laughs> and uh, wow. that was sort of crazy. We weren't ready for it. And it really showed us how, how much we actually need to invest in some scale. But it proved to us that people wanted the product. How Lifehacker can drive 100,000 customers for your business. That's, a, that, that's the headline. Um, cool, man. So what's, what's, what do you think is working really well for you today in terms of customer acquisition? Like one, maybe one thing. You know, um, I actually think that uh, SEO works pretty well for us uh, in terms of people search for how to do things to their contacts. And we rank extremely high on a lot of, a lot of blog posts, articles, landing pages about that. And full contact is, uh, you know, a part of the solution there. It's not the end all be all, but we want to be a useful resource for people that want to make their relationships better. And so part of the way to do that is to help them with their contacts. Right. And so when you say SEO, is it you guys producing like uh, blog content or is it con- is it like the content that's auto populating from the contact information? Uh, it's actually uh, our blog content or landing pages for specific use cases. Yeah. Got it. Okay. Cool. Well, I mean, I mean, you've been through the ringer a couple of times. You've been doing, you know, been doing software since you were eight years old, done a couple of businesses. So I'm just wondering, what's one big struggle you faced while growing any business, and you know, how, what did you learn from that struggle? One big struggle is is probably the emotional element of scaling as a founder. I, I literally just got a call with a couple other founders explaining to them that that over the next 10 years, they are probably going to be very lonely, understand that the team that they have today will probably not be the team in five years. It's just not how the world works today. And frankly, different, different leadership is required at different levels. And you as the founder or CEO actually have to kind of make that happen. So, you know, your VP of sales at, at 20 people is going to be totally different than your VP of sales at 300 people. And, you know, understanding that and understanding that, You've got to have this, some of those very challenging conversations and continue to improve your organization as it, as it grows up is, is, is a struggle emotionally. And is there, a, is there a specific story you can share around that? Oh, boy. I mean, we could probably talk all night about that. Uh, but uh, I think that uh, I, I, I go back to early days, you know, understanding – I call it VP of Sales 1.0. You have your VP of Sales 1.0, who's who's probably selling as an individual and maybe developing a team, so the, the classic player coach. And uh, you know, I think that that person can be incredibly effective for a period of time, but ultimately you need to bring in a, a VP of Sales 2.0, who's much more systemic and thoughtful about assembling a team, doesn't carry a quota themselves, doesn't want the heroics, right? wants to actually like make their reps successful that transition point uh was something we had to do at full contact and uh you know that recognizing those dynamics is extremely important got it yep and then how i mean on that vein i mean how do you go about finding a great vp of sales because that's actually it's it's something that's relevant to me right now (laughs) yeah it's i think it goes back to demonstrating competencies so really go deep on Okay, you were part of that team that grew revenue from X to Y, but what did you do, right? What was your role in that? 
and you got to know exactly what you're looking for at your scale. So if you're, you know, you're a million dollars or less in revenue, you're looking for that VP of sales 1.0. If you're 10 million, you're probably looking at VP of sales 2.0, right? Um, so there's, there's, there's like just the best approach is have they been there, done that before? And, you know, have they demonstrated that before? I know there's a lot of people who say, yeah, I get people to punch up their weight class, things like that. I'm not, I'm not a believer in that anymore. I think you just get people who know exactly what the, what the job is and what, and see around corners. Uh, that's probably the highest probability of success there. So how do you have those tough conversations though? So let's say VP of sales 1.0, I mean, you're buddy, buddy with him, you know, or her, and they took you to a certain level, but then you know that what that person that got you there is not going to be the person that gets you to the next level. So can you give me an example or just how do you have those conversations in general? Well, they're, they're, they tend to be pretty, um, intense, but, uh, you've got to have something that, that a mentor of mine calls a fierce conversation, which is not, not fierce in that it's aggressive, but fierce in that it's direct and courageous. Uh, and so what, you, what, what helps is to actually make it fact-based, so use observations. So I observe this, I observe this, uh, would you agree? And then uh, you know, from there, you can actually have a conversation about, well, are you really this person? Do you want it? Do you get it? Do you have the capacity to do it? Right, and if you come to know on any of those three questions, do you get it? Do you want it? Do you have the capacity to do it? You know, you you just have to say, well, that's okay. There's probably a different seat for for you. I need you to remove your own ego. Maybe there's a topping over conversation, or maybe you exit the business and, and join another business where you do get it, want it, have the capacity to do it in a different role. But what we need, the organization needs, is not you right now. And so it's tough, but you got to be very fact driven. And what what usually happens to those people? Did they usually, I guess, if you could share a story on what happened? Because I have to assume that ego is always a big driver in these conversations. So I'm just wondering if you have any specific examples on what happened afterwards. Well, yeah, ego is always, always in play here. I've, I've had it split both ways. I've had some people feel incredibly humbled or be humble and understand that they actually aren't ready for that role and it's best for the organization. That somebody else step in in a leadership role, you know, over them, uh, and that's always refreshing when that happens. And oftentimes, people are are acutely aware of that already, and they're like relieved, right? That they're like, "Thank you, somebody else realized this. I thought that I wasn't, uh, I thought I wasn't going to be able to do this." Uh, and you know, my own inner voice was saying this. And thank you, Bart. I appreciate that. Then there's the folks who, when you have that discussion, their own ego gets in the way of seeing things clearly. It's, it's pretty obvious they think a lot higher of themselves than, than they're actually capable of. And accepting that reality, it, their, their own sense of self-preservation won't allow that. And when that happens, um, it's very, very challenging to keep them on the rails and, and manage their ego. But at the end of the day, we have a core value full contact. We win and lose as a team, which by definition means that you put your ego at the door. You check your ego at the door. So. Often those folks that can't control their own ego, you know, choose to 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 leave the business. Mm, got it. Cool. So it's it's they choose to leave. It's not you're letting them go. Yeah. Often if they're good values fit, I offer them another position in the business. Right. Got it. Okay. Uh, and and they say, you know what? No thanks. Right. And they they care about title or they care about the shame or their or something rather than actually being open and vulnerable and saying, hey, uh, you know what? I actually. I can't do this job. It's better if somebody else step in. Right. I actually find the latter to be really refreshing. People admire those people far more than the people who leave out of pride. Right. 
Okay. Switching gears a little bit. I mean, you guys recently acquired Mattermark. Yep. And I guess what is the what was the what's kind of the, the goal or the impetus behind that? The full contact, uh, fundamentally, our vision is to be about people, companies, and relationships and how they're connected, right? I think the Mattermark team, uh, their atomic unit has always been companies and insights about companies. In full contact, our atomic unit has been people. And so I think marrying the two makes a lot of sense. We shared common investors and founder group. Uh, I've known the team there for you know probably five or six years, uh, going back a long time. So had a lot of comfort there in terms of shared values and ethos. Uh, so it just it just made a lot of sense to join forces and uh, you know weave a cohesive story over time around you know people, companies, and relationships. Right. Okay. Was just curious. Okay. So I'm going to switch gears again. This is kind of more going down the, the personal path here. So how do you generally, as a as a CEO, as a multi-time CEO, uh, how do you structure your day? <laughs> so I uh, I usually get up at five in the morning and you know just get ready for work grab a shower, uh, grab a coffee. I Unfortunately, I get a, about a 10-minute walk to the bus station each day. So that gives me a beautiful vistas in, in Boulder, well, Colorado is, is where I live. And then I grab the bus down to Denver, uh, and that's about a 45-minute ride where I can check email or, or meditate. Uh, I often meditate uh, in the middle of the bus ride, and uh, that's very helpful to me. So I get you know about an hour, essentially, of, of truly alone time before I get to the office. And then at the office, I've got a couple hours typically before any first meeting. So I like to be there for a couple hours, really get a handle on my day, mentally go through my meetings and just think about, okay, what's my objective in each meeting? And then the meetings begin uh, and then, uh, you know, wrap up usually, you know, 6 p.m. or so, uh, grab a bus ride home for about an hour, uh, have dinner with the family, put the kids to bed and, uh, you know, usually fall asleep reading some science fiction, then rinse and repeat. So... It's a very samurai-like existence. Uh, that's my typical day. Love it. And what? Uh, what what's? We're gonna ask another book question in a little bit. But what's the? What's your favorite sci-fi book? Ooh, uh, I don't think I picked just one. I mean, uh, the one I've been talking the most about recently, in the last year, is the series "The Three-Body Problem." And that that series, I can't remember the author's name, is number one bestseller in China. But that's uh, that's an amazing series. Interesting. Okay. And what is one new tool that you've added in the last year that's added a lot of value? So it could be like a Peloton bike, could be Evernote, but it can't be full contact. I'm going to go a little off. It's not software tool or just tool in general? Any kind of tool. Okay. So there's a, there's a framework called EOS, the Entrepreneur's Operating System, that we've instantly full contact, and that's been great. Do you guys use an implementer or are you guys self-implementing? Oh, we tried to self-implement a few years ago, but now we actually have an implementer, uh, and that's been transformational for us. Got it. And so I, I'm guessing because I, I, whenever someone uses this, I, I always wonder what the kind of cadence looks like. Is it like once a year you're having an implementer come in four, four times a year? How does that look? Yeah, every every quarter. Uh, we work with our implementer at the quarterly offsite, and uh, and now we're sort of instituting a, uh, an internal group in full contact that helps other teams implement more well that I actually act as an implementer internally in my role with different lines of business. And, and that's, I get to take off the CEO hat and be a facilitator at quarterly offsites. So that's sort of fun for me. Oh, I love that. So, okay. So wait, you said 300 employees, right? Yep. 
Okay, 300 employees, you're getting the entire company to implement EOS. So just so everyone knows, I mean, we've talked about this on the podcast before. The book is Traction, Entrepreneur's Operating System. I believe it's by Gino Wickman. And then he's also got a couple other books. Um, love it. I think it's really important for anybody. It just makes running a business a lot easier, so check it out. But this actually leads to the next question where you have to give me another book because you gave Traction EOS, but what's what one other book that you recommend to the audience? Let's see. I mean, I... Uh... I've enjoyed the book Rocket Fuel by Gina Wickman, yep. which is about the visionary integrator relationship and how a visionary and integrator can work together to, to uh, you know, accelerate a company. Honestly, those are, those are the two book, books for, I think a lot of people like to go with templates. So I think having those two are a huge combo. And then uh, you combine that with the hard thing about hard things. That's the, that's a top three right there for anybody looking to get started. That's right. Um, I think that those are, those are life changing for sure. Yeah. But um, Bart, this has been really good. What's the best way for people to find you online? Oh, just shoot me an email. Bart at fullcontact.com. That's the best approach. All right, Bart. Thanks so much for doing this. All right. Thanks, sir. Thanks for listening to this episode of Growth Everywhere. If you loved what you heard, be sure to head back to growtheverywhere.com for today's show notes and a ton of additional resources. But before you go, hit the subscribe button to avoid missing out on next week's value-packed interview. Enjoy the rest of your week, and remember to take action and continue growing.